big news announced this week. Dana White. Dana White's confirmed middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. Going up to light heavyweight to challenge champion Jan Blachowicz in his next fight. Nick, you disappointed that it's not going to be against John Jones? Or do you think this is I the best this, business decision for Izzy? I think this absolutely. Izzy said some nonsense about saying that he wants to fight John Jones, but it has to be in front of a crowd. It'll be the biggest fight in USC history. The only thing you show me is you're terrified of John Jones. I think he, I think John Jones is the new Anderson Silva. Do you remember back in the day, everybody wanted to chirp up about Anderson, but nobody, nobody wanted up. to fight him? Yeah. Same thing. I mean, it happened with Conor McGregor when everybody loves to say Conor's name, but not too many people want to fight him. I mean, how many times has Conor had opponents back out and they offer fights and they're like going, no, no, no. It's the same effect. I mean, because this is the scary thing with this. Izzy is a better striker than Jan. Jan has so much more power than Izzy. And he... Jan's not going to be scared of Izzy. And if yeah. Jan connects, he has the ability to put Izzy to sleep. Yep. So I was actually talking with somebody about this today, uh, that Izzy had a hard time with Kelvin Gastelum's power. Yeah. Right? And if you don't think Jan Blahovich has a ton more power than Gastelum does. Uh, so I saw today, actually, Izzy opened up at a minus 225 favorite over Jan Blahovich. How do you feel about that? I think it's insane. That's a pretty big favorite, right? It's I mean, a pretty big Everybody knows Izzy's not my guy, but I usually know he's going to win. I mean, I think Jan, I mean, look at the body kick that Jan put on Reyes. Yep. And almost instant bruising down his side. Yeah, stylistically, Jan, it's a tough if fight Jan for Izzy. Jan catches him. Yeah, not just uh, going up in the weight class, but stylistically, it's a difficult fight for Israel Adesanya too. I think so, very much so. Especially, like, I mean, we'll, we'll see a lot about Izzy. We'll, I mean... We'll see what he's got. And here's the thing about the John Jones-Izzy fight. If Jan knocks Izzy out, that fight never happens. Because John Jones is no longer interested in fighting you. Yeah. Because he wants to put the one on your record. If Jan beats Izzy, I think Jan's fights John Jones next. Yeah. Because we don't know. John Jones gave up the belt because, I mean, it is what it is. He don't care. He knows he can have it back at any time he wants. John Jones can pan pick his opponent. And if he goes up to heavyweight, I think the only fight at heavyweight really – I mean, him and Ngano talked about fighting, but he said he wanted major money to fight Ngano. And then if he fights Stipe, I think Stipe creates a lot of unique problems for Jones. But at the end of the day, I still have to pick John Jones. Yeah, I'm actually okay with uh, Izzy moving up. A lot of times I'm hesitant about the, you know, I'm hesitant to celebrate champions, dancing around different weight classes, that kind of stuff, because it really puts the division that they're in in a gridlock. You know, but if you look at middleweight, UFC middleweight division right now, there's really nobody else for Adesanya to face. Uh, Whitaker was offered the fight. He turned it down. Cannoneer just lost to Whitaker. Next up would be Jack Hermanson. See, I didn't know that Whitaker turned the fight down. I mean, why? This is the point. He's got the belt. You want the belt. You're the number one guy. Go get the belt. Yeah, Dana White said uh, Saturday night in post-fight press conference that that fight was offered to Robert. Robert turned it down. Wow. And you need to be thinking about retirement. Or maybe he knows what we were talking about last week, that the rematch would probably end in a similar way, right? So he might be wanting to get back to the drawing board for a bit, hash out some things. He might try himself think that he's not ready for that fight. Yet. He might try to drop to 170? Oh, I don't know, man. Rob's Rob's a big 185, right? Yeah, he is. But I mean, I if, think he struggles you, making weight. If you have the belt, it, I mean, if someone has the belt and you're offered the title fight and you don't want the title fight, what is the point of being in the weight class? Yeah, you're right. Jeffrey Hoffman here. This is Nikki the G, Nicholas Sherlock, welcoming you guys to the 12th episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast, The Dirty Dozen. 
right? Rolling them out. Dana White toying with the idea that Khabib Nurmagomedov might be willing to return for one more fight. Nick, if Khabib was going to come back, who would you want it to be against? If Khabib is coming back, yeah. I would kind of like to see maybe a tournament format. Just with, one. He's coming back. But, hypothetically, he's no, coming back just for one. But let, hear me out. I think Dustin is going to fight Connor. I think Michael Chandler should fight Tony Ferguson. Uh, I think Justin Gaethje's taking back-to-back losses. I mean, Poirier's beat him. Khabib has just beat him. I don't think Justin Gaethje's in the conversation anymore. I really don't. So you want a tournament for who's next? I think Dustin fights Connor. I think Chandler fights Ferguson. I think those winners fight, and then we have that fight. So, I mean, if we can get both these fights done. I mean, Dustin and uh, Connor are fighting in January. Ferguson and Chandler could fight maybe March ish and then we have the match between them in the summer and then have the next winter because khabib only fights like once a year anyway it'd be so, right about his time frame uh as it goes man i i think it works out i mean i really with with justin gaethje man it's like i don't think he has what it takes to wear the belt no and you i don't like, want to see that rematch he, i like the way justin, that he lost i like justin a lot i think he's a phenomenal fighter but this isn't kickboxing and he had a huge problem with that pressure like he did not know what to do with yeah. all that pressure yeah the way that he lost not just that he lost to Khabib, but the way that he lost it there's no there's nothing in the rematch there there's nothing that indicated that the rematch would go any differently i don't think how the first can, fight went i don't think he can fight dp i think dp boxes him up i think connor puts him to sleep in the first round he yeah, takes well, too many shots he's the most violent man because his philosophy is i'll take some shots to give some shots nobody's taking shots from connor at 55 yeah i'd like to see if Khabib does come back, try to get that even number, right? Try to get that 30. I'd like it to be Tony Ferguson, right? Even if the fight doesn't make sense. Tony's got to beat somebody first. You can't, you can't take a devastating loss and then get a title shot. I mean, look, even if the fight doesn't make sense, for as many times as it was scheduled and canceled, for everything that the fight fans Look, Jesus have doesn't want through, that fight to happen, all right? <laughs> it's possible, but we don't know until we've scheduled it seven times. Six, one through six might have been cursed. Seven might be the lucky one. Tony needs to beat somebody in the top five to get that and shot. Look, I think, again, even if it doesn't make sense for the division, for fight fans, for Tony Ferguson, who undoubtedly this would be the biggest fight of his career, and, you know, for Khabib to finally put that that Tony Ferguson feather in his cap, that's the fight I'd like to see if Khabib comes back, but I'm not very sure that he will. And Islam Makachev versus Rafael Dos Anjos, man. Just announced that's going to headline the fight night scheduled for November 14th. Nick, let's not forget, congratulations to Tom Lee and his whole team at Mid-City MMA and uh, Moon College. The Superman Tom Lee. I mean, I honestly think that with Tom Lee winning the one featherweight title, he has to be considered the new king of Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. He's Well, he's the only champion that we've got from here the now, only right? The only world champion in that a we major have right organization. Now. Yeah. And uh, so one... FC featherweight world champion Tom Lee stopped Martin win in the fourth to Devast claim devastating fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Claim that strap. And uh, also on the local front just announced officially announced. I know that we were kind of toying with it in last week's episode, Cam Teague taking on Jordan Juno. So, I mean, we got to be honest, we knew this fight was going to happen a couple weeks ago, but this fight has fireworks written all over it. Jordan Juno is not going to have to worry about his opponent disappearing in the back with Cam Teague. Uh, he's going to have to worry about some high-level striking. 
and Cam Teague is going to have to worry about some next level athleticism with Jordan. Yep. Uh, this fight has fireworks written all over it. I cannot wait for it. So that's going to be Empire Champion, Empire Fighting Championship 7 on December 19th. Cam is going to have a tough time with this fight. Teague is currently the number one ranked amateur lightweight in Alabama. He's the number one ranked amateur lightweight in Mississippi. And he's number three out of almost 700 Amy lightweights in the Southeast United States. And his Instagram is hilarious. Uh, I strongly <laughs> suggest you go follow Cam Teague. Other local news, we survived a hurricane last week. Some of us carrying a few more battle scars than others. Yeah. I'm I just... was relatively unscathed without power for a couple days. I lost my roof, lost my brand new fence I just put up. I mean, but, you know, the good news is, you know, every my family is okay and buildings can be rebuilt. I mean, it's aggravating and we were without power for a couple of days, but, you know, we got through it. And Halloween night was Saturday night, man. Did the Sherlock clan get out and do a little trick-or-treating? Yes, we you know, did. Went and hit uh, up some affluent neighborhoods. Oh, we actually did. Uh, my girl's family lives in a gated community, so they did the Halloween thing where you had, like, they had like a little sign in the yard and most places just put like a bucket out and my daughter is very indecisive. So it's like, girl, grab a handful. Let's go. And mm -hmm. she's like trying to pick and choose chocolates. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, we got things to do. Uh, we didn't even get to do the whole neighborhood because she ran out of gas. Yeah. Back in neighborhoods we used to go to, used to put out buckets of cigarettes, loose cigarettes, you know, and just take one. Sometimes you have two buckets, one be menthol, Marlboro Reds in the other. She had, there was one house uh, that just had like, uh, had like a, like a, kind of like an ice chest thing and just had bottles of ice water in there. And she thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> well, that's when you know people are struggling, right? But we did the they're... whole Joe Exotic theme. Oh, uh, come the, on. At the uh, We went to a party, uh, a party with my family uh, two weeks ago and I was Joe and they were all tigers. And then this past weekend for Halloween night, my son was Joe and we were all the tigers. So, I mean, <laughs> it was a good night. Uh, you don't want to pull a Jeff Lowe? Oh, no. No Jeff Lowe here. I'd have to try to find me an Affliction shirt. I don't even think they sell those things anymore. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing the Jeff Lowe thing with my hair, you know, because I'm I'm getting pretty thin up top, but the back, the back is still very full and luscious. So if I could grow it out back there, you know, like rat a nice tail. a nice ponytail. Just grow a rat tail. Okay, so it doesn't have to be a rat tail though, as long as you keep the bandana up top, right? To the right. to the average to the observer from the outside, you've got a luscious ponytail going on there. Just you know, you just keep that bandana up. You know, you wear you it could to also, bed. You could try to uh, innovate something like kind of like mullet-esque, you know, mm. just go out there, be your own man, start your own thing. Yeah. I don't like this idea that you have to have perfect consistency all the way around because that's not all of our you could genetics. Put, you could uh, also shave FSF into the back of your head, you know, be like a walking <laughs> billboard. <laughs> so speaking of Halloween, uh, UFC had some trick, trick or treat in action going on itself. A couple tricks, a couple oh. treats on that card. Oh yeah. I mean, you went perfect again. So that was one of the treats. One of the treats, yeah. Another I perfect night. The, I lost. I lost the main event, and I, I got to say, man, Anderson looked really good For, until he got caught. Like, yeah, he had two rounds that he looked good. I thought he won the first two rounds. I know a lot of people thought Uriah won the second round. I thought Anderson won the first two rounds and lost the third, and then he just like Michael Bisping said, it, like he just got. I think he was getting tired and just got sloppy and came in, and Uriah caught him. It was a great show of respect towards the end. Like Uriah was in tears apologizing to yeah. him. And that was real 100%. And, you know, it, it, it's a bittersweet day for the sport. Where we can celebrate a guy like Anderson the Spider Silva, but also know that one of our heroes is darkening the doors and we more than likely won't see him again. I mean, I looked at Anderson the same way. I looked at Vandalay Silva watching Mirko Kokrop walk away. Like, 
these legends go away and uh, make way for new legends. Yep. So uh, same as you, man. I thought Anderson won the first round. Second round, he was winning. He got dropped right at the end. Could have seen it going his way still. And uh, we even had some flashes of the old Anderson Silva just for a couple seconds there where he's got his hands up and he's doing the misdirection that, you know, he's super famous for. Just brief, brief glimpses of that old form. Once Uriah hit him in the second round and dropped him, something clicked in his head where he was like, he's a man, I can hurt him. Yeah, so this is what should be Anderson Silva's last fight. Let's talk about his legacy, you know, what he leaves behind. Uh, Obviously, everything that we know about Anderson Silva was that 16-fight win streak from his UFC debut up until that Chris Weidman fight. Everything that we know about him, middleweight reign of 2,400-plus days, uh, the finishes. Hasn't been even matched yet. And Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think it's hard for a lot of people to think that, okay, so we're talking, uh, you know, early 2000s, 2005 to 2010. You had a couple guys that were dominating, right? Like uh, Fedor had his reign uh, going on. BJ Penn for a minute. Fedor's reign didn't happen in the UFC. Yep. And the quality of opponent he had. So yeah, well, that's, I really that's, I really don't respect Fedor's reign that, as much as everybody says. But that that's a whole different thing, right? We're just talking about like dominance. Fighters that are in there dominating. Uh BJ Penn had it going on for a little bit. You had a couple guys. Matt but, Hughes. Yeah, for sure. But nobody, nobody yeah, did Chuck it. Chuck Liddell had his little reign of terror. Yeah. I mean But nobody did it nobody the way like that Anderson Silva. Silva did, right? Like it not just the wins, but the type of wins and the dominance. Every second of every round. And it was just something that nobody had ever seen before, that that style of striking. Yeah, he the only niche and and I was really glad that he talked about it. He talked about Chael, son, and uh and he said that Chael completed him. Chael made him a complete fighter. And he said that he didn't care about the steroid use and stuff like that. He was like, I won both the fights. He was like, But that first fight, Chael put it on me. He said, I had to Think about like, is this really what I want to do? And had to dig deep to come out every round. Because for a five-round fight, Chael won four and four-fifths yeah. of every round. Like and he, he, he was in Anderson Silva's guard trying to get yeah. doing some ground and pound. And uh, Anderson Silva got those hips loose, threw up yep. that arm bar. So I've got Anderson Silva number four on my list. Uh, obviously... You know, his career probably went on a couple fights longer than what a lot of us would have hoped. But it's hard to say that even. And we'll talk about it a little bit later with Andre Arlovsky as well, that for a lot of these guys, you know, when you're making a quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars a fight, what they might be thinking even more than their legacy is what quality of life am I going to have after retirement? You know, the 40 or 50 years that I'm going to have. Right. If Anderson Reign of Terror wasn't when they were making these million dollar deals. Sure. If Anderson Silva was 24 years old today. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He would be He'd be a very rich man. Yeah, much much more so than he is. I'm sure he's fine, but much more so right. than what he is. So I think a lot of these guys, they might be thinking it's, it's not so much about their legacy. It's about I'm going to do this until they tell me I can't because if I'm making a, a quarter of a million, a half a million or something like that every fight, if I can get three or four more, that's what, a million and a half, it's, two I million mean, more in my bank account, I'm going to be living much differently right. up until my 80s or 90s with that money. Well, we talked about we talked it. about it a little bit last week when uh, about uh, about Pat Barry. Like He was taking fights, not even training, just to get money so he can keep going so Rose wouldn't have to get a job and she could just train full time. So, yeah, I think the financial gain has a lot to do with it. So Dana White said he thought he made a big mistake in booking Silva for another fight. Do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, no, I mean – I don't think so. I mean, like I said, he looked good. He won two of the rounds and he got caught. I mean, it just is what it is. Fighters get caught every night. 
All right. First fight on that main card, Bobby Green taking on Tiago Moises. We both went with the underdog in Moises. He entered fight week plus 210, and that line moved up to a plus 250 entering the fight. The only underdog on the main card to get it done. And he got the 29-28 unanimous decision over a tough-as-nails Bobby Green. Kevin Holland was supposed to fight Mahmoud Muradov, but Muradov pulled out late due to undisclosed reasons. What's up with that, man? Like, you you know, no we, we don't deserve, you know, maybe you could tell us, hey, man, he, he uh, stubbed his toe going to the bathroom and, you know, fights off. And Oh, he had a hit. Well, the, the important thing was he had a, had a, had a, had somebody step up. My pick would not have changed. No. And Kevin Lee went out there and dismantled. Or Kevin Holland. Yeah, Kevin Holland. Holland went out there against uh, Charlie Antiveros. They were supposed to fight earlier on because Antiveros is from Texas yep. as well. Holland, I think, is from California, but he's been in Texas for a yep. while. So yep. they were supposed to fight before. He's got him a Texas tattoo. <laughs> they were, so they were supposed to fight before they either of them got to the UFC. Uh, Antiveros took the fight, and he looked good for about the first minute or so. But yep. once Kevin Holland got a hold of him, you know, Kevin Holland's a, a black belt in that old ground karate. Man. He had that uh that big brother takedown or just slammed him <laughs> down. And yeah. uh, they said he Brute force. he said that he hurt his neck, but uh the last update I saw was uh Dana said that he had a feeling in all his extremities, so yeah, wished him deal. a speedy recovery. So Kevin Holland got his fourth win of twenty twenty. Do you know he Kevin? He said he's ready to go again. <laughs> all right. You, you know who his last loss was to? No, I do not. He got choked out by our guy, Brendan Allen, man, last October. Uh Uh-oh. That was uh, Kevin Holland's last loss. We're going to be talking about Brendan a bit later in the show when uh, we make our picks. Cool. Next up, we had Greg Hardy taking on Maurice Green. You and I both went with Hardy, and uh, he had a great first round, which I I think was a big confidence booster for Greg Hardy because how his fights have looked thus far, he either would get the first round finish or the fight would drag on, and and he lost, right? He lost that decision to... uh, Volkov yeah, I in, think, his, in his last fight. So I to, to win a round, I, I don't know that he's ever won a round on a scorecard. He yet. was winning on the ground and stood up. was like, no, get up. And even Bisping was like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, I'd stay in this position. But all that credit, I believe, goes to the former champion and Rashad Evans. When you're getting one-on-one attention with a fighter with the knowledge and capability and resume of Rashad Evans and Dean Thomas, you're naturally going to grow yeah. and he looked good. He's not there yet. I don't think he's, no. a, I don't think he'd be considered elite yet. I don't think he's considered top 10 yet, No, but, but the heavyweight divisions, right? He grows by leaps and bounds every single time. Yeah. And every time I see a heavyweight fighter fight and I see him win, and it might be a bad habit of mine, I directly measure him to how would he do in the ring with Stipe? Yeah, sure. So the heavyweight division, UFC heavyweight division now, there's a lot of imbalance in it. You've got the upper ranks that are on a completely different level. Then the lower ranks and the middle is kind of non-existent, right? So well, with Greg Horm- Hardy can cause Hormier, a lot of damage in that in that lower realm, but he can't touch anybody in that upper realm. Right. With Cormier leaving, Stipe Miocic is on a level by himself. Yep. I don't think anybody in the heavyweight division can even touch him right now. Everybody's clamoring for the Ningano rematch, and I think that Ningano rematch will go much like it did the first time. The, I don't. Th- I think people quickly forget that Stipe mentally disabled. Ningano. Ningano's next fight with Derek Lewis, he didn't even want to throw a punch. He yep. was so terrified. So next up on that card, Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell taking on Andre Feely. We both went with uh, Thug Nasty there, and he got the decision. So I know last week there was a little bit of confusion when we were doing our picks about Bryce Mitchell's record, and the confusion continues. I've, dude, following the sport almost 20 years, I've never seen this before, right? So last week I sent you the picks. Google had him at 13-1. and one. 
And I'm like, no, dude, I know Bryce Mitchell's undefeated. So I go on Tapology, Wikipedia, everywhere that you can. And I don't see a single loss on his record. The UFC, they announced him at 13 and one. And even after he won, the UFC announced him at 14 and one. Later that night, Bryce Mitchell posts something on Instagram, a picture, thank you, this and that. 14 and 0, moving on. So even he and the UFC are kind of at odds over what right. his actual record is. So I dug as deep as I could. You know, he was on The Ultimate Fighter, and he had two exhibition matches on the show. He won one, he lost the other. So that's the only professional loss that I've found on Bryce Mitchell, but the exhibition shouldn't count against count. his record. And, and, and if that's the one that they're counting, because they're not counting the win, because if they were counting the win, he would be 15 and one. Right. So at best, they're counting the exhibition loss and not counting the exhibition win. If anybody's listening and you've got any information on this, I've fallen the sport damn near 20 years. I've never seen this before where there's a record, especially a guy that's like moving up the ranks and he's pretty well known at this point, a guy where there's like this much, amp this much ambiguity as to, well, is he undefeated or not? I think we'll, I think we need to send him a tweet and just see if he'll respond and maybe he can clear this up for get us. His take, we might just get more uh, mask stuff from him. Did you see that? The yeah. uh, post fight interview is amazing, right? His post-fight interviews are the best. They had our fighters tweeting because they posted tweets in the corner. I was like, I just want to see Bryce Mitchell win because I just want to see that post-fight interview. <laughs> so Mitchell was number 15 uh, going into that fight. Let me ask you, man, what would be your dream matchup to see next for Thug Nasty? Uh, I don't see him. He's probably going to fight somebody in that 11 to 15 range, and I think he'll slice through anybody in there. This kid is ridiculous and he got those special camo shorts yeah he did he's only the second person in the reebok deal history to get custom shorts and the other one being sir conor mcgregor yeah so i mean he's in good company there so we've got four fights of footage on uh bryce mitchell now i don't think it's too premature to start talking about i mean is he one of the top grapplers currently in the ufc right now i think so yeah four four fights out four submissions uh, well, well, one uh, twister. He's got one of only two twisters in UFC history. That fight with Charles Rosa was an absolute grappling clinic, and he got close to the twister three or four times. Uh, Andre Touchy Feely, man, a great fighter with a ton of experience. Phenomenal. And Bryce Mitchell dominated that fight. Anything that he wanted to do on the ground, I except lock him, up a submission, he had. I want to see him fight a good wrestler next. Next up, let's look at Atlas Fifty Seven. That's going to be this Saturday, November 7th, from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. We're going to take a look at each of the four fights on the main card. And we've got Glenn Matina on standby here. He's the uh, owner of Atlas Fights. And I know he works really hard getting these events put together. Let's get Mr. Glenn Matina on the phone. We'll go over these four fights and we'll have a few questions for him. Jeffrey Hoffman back with Nicholas Sherlock, welcoming Glenn Matina to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Mr. Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us. Why well, you, you, you're making me feel old with that Mr. stuff, mister. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you uh, giving me an opportunity to get in where I fit in tonight. Oh, you got it anytime. Oh, dude, we're very honored to have you, uh, Mr. Glenn, uh, to have you on. I know we spoke about it when this uh, podcast first getting started. Now we got you here. We're so excited. For our listeners, uh, Mr. Glenn started and he owns Atlas Fighting Championship. 
He's been having a phenomenal show for over a decade on the Gulf Coast, having some of the who's who among mixed martial arts come through his doors, yeah. fight and succeed and go on to bigger shows. How about Tiago Moises last weekend, right? Oh. Uh, big, big win uh, in the opening fight of the main card for UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a great guy, too. Uh, he's a, a gentleman, very very proper and uh, just a good guy. I'm happy to see good things happen for him after losing to Jason Knight back in 2015 at Golden Nugget Casino in Biloxi. You know, um, I'm happy to see him uh, move on, move on to bigger and better things. What do you like most about the fight business? Well, I can tell you um, I don't like the business aspects of it because it's really a shitty business. Um, and I, I'm just, be, I'll be blunt with it. It's uh, Why is that? You know, it's... It, well, you know, it's it's just the way people operate. Uh, you know, it's territorial, and you have cliques, and you know, um, I, you know, I, I, you know, we're out for the fighters. I mean, we're out we're out to promote fighters. You know, we're, we're, we really don't want like getting caught up in the drama. But what I like most about it is, you know, seeing seeing guys advance, you know, to that next platform, just like a three doors down. You know, they went from being a house band a little band in Biloxi, Mississippi, Escataba, to worldwide famous, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with the fight business, like Jason Knight, you yeah. know? Um, Jason Knight's kind of like our MMA of the three doors down when it comes to, you know, rock and roll. You know, that band went off to, you know, actually, you know, play for President Trump in his inaugural, you know, back in 16. And now, you, you know, Jason Knight made it to the UFC and done well and Thiago Moises has been to the UFC and Sean Jordan's been to the UFC. I mean, there's, there's quite a few that's, you know, fought for us and, you know, we, I, I totally enjoy seeing guys, you know, do good. So what do you think is it that sets Atlas apart from the other local promotions? Well, I don't know if anything's set apart, you know, but I can just say this, you know, we, we've always set out from, from the beginning to promote pro fighters. You know, and that's that's what we do. We, you know, you, you've got a lot of shows out there, and I respect everybody out there promoting shows. And everybody everybody has a purpose, and everybody has a reason. And but you know, we're we're always promoting four or five pros on our cards, and we've done it for eleven years. And you know, and that's the opportunity you get to, uh, you know, help them pros, you know, advance their skill level and and advance to the next platform. So you know, that's one. And then I just enjoy, you know. Uh, seeing people have a good time. What would you say is the biggest milestone that you've accomplished with Atlas fights? What is the thing that you're the most proud of with this fight, with this fight sports thing? Uh, the, the most proud of is, is still being here 11 years down the road. Cause Longevity. you know, I remember back in the beginning in 09, you know, there was people that said we wouldn't be around for a year or two years, you know, and you know, it, look, this business is always a fight. And I don't mean that just from a fighter perspective. It's a fight being a promoter, you know, because there's so many promotions out there. And, 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 you know, the fighters, everyone has an opportunity to fight for so many different promoters and promotions. Well, Mr. Glenn, let me tell you, you guys have a huge show coming up this weekend. Nick and I have been talking about it. Definitely the biggest show of this year. And one of the biggest shows that either he or I can remember in the last couple of years on the local scene. It's an absolute star-studded main card. Well, we thank you for that. It's, uh, again, you know, a lot of work, a lot of work, man. It's, it's the grind. 
which fight on this main card are you looking forward to? Because right now we're about to go through and give our predictions. Jeff, take us away with that first fight. So we've got Atlas Fights 57. That's going to be this Saturday, November 7th, from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. First up, we've got Chris Miller versus Justice Lampras. So we just had Justice Lampras on episode 10 of the podcast. He's very well known around these parts around Acadiana, a very well-rounded fighter, a dynamic striker. He's from Gladiators, so you know he's got the jiu-jitsu to boot. And uh, great cardio, right? Yep. Super, superb, oh, yeah. superb cardio. Two and two as a professional. And he's going to be taking on Chris King Millie Miller. Chris Miller's yeah, King one Millie. Of King Millie uh, fighting out of Houston, Texas. Mr. Glenn, what should we be looking out for in this matchup? You know, Chris Miller's well-rounded. He's, he's got some pretty good jiu-jitsu skills also, and he's a striker. Uh, he's going to be in shape. I mean, you know, all these guys that comes out of that gym down in Houston at war, you know, they come ready to fight. Awesome. Uh, and, you know, this is going to be a prelim, you know, for the for the main card that, uh, you know, could steal the show. I mean, Delamper, as we all know, his capability, and, you know, he, he's a tough kid. And, tough as nails. You know, he, he's a scrapper, so... Uh, I'm, we're excited to be able to, uh, you know, start the main card off, uh, this Saturday night, uh, with them two guys, uh, facing each other. Awesome. Dalen Wilson and Scott O'Shaughnessy. Dalen's out of Pensacola, Florida. He's three and three. And although he sits at 500, look, two of his losses have come against competition. That's as good as it gets, right? That one to AJ Fletcher that we talked about earlier. And then the loss to Impa Consaganai, right? Uh, UFC up and coming. Oh yeah. Um, and Scott's one of the most experienced guys that we have that's currently fighting. He's been in the cage 23 times, both as an amateur and professional. And he's faced a who's who list of competitors, Christopher, Anthony, Eric Scallon, Thomas Webb, and, uh, Christian Fulgham, just to name a few. And Scott has a deceptive record. His record is sitting at 10 and 10, but Scott was when his beginning of his career, he was trying to figure out that weight cut thing. He was going down to 55, which is much too small. Then he was fighting at 85. So he found a really good home at 170 and he's eight and three at 170. So uh, that deceptive record. Yeah, it's deceiving, very much so. Um, you know, when you look at the overall record, you're going, oh, this guy's a journeyman. But you're right. You know, um, I've seen uh, – I was with him last week. He looked phenomenal. Um, you know, the guy's been training his behind off. He actually reached out to us and wanted to fight. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I'm just going to say this. If, you know, a pro reaches out to us and wants to fight, they know they're going to have to fight. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's got a – He's got a game opponent in Dalen. I've seen Dalen uh, last week also. I was down there in Pensacola. I uh, was with him, and um, he's trained his behind off. He's, he's looking phenomenal. Uh, you know, he's been working on his strength and conditioning big time. Uh, he thinks that's kind of what, uh, you know, caught him uh, when he was fighting AJ at Tarragon. He's just lost, you know, he's, he's lost track of uh, – his his uh his zone there and uh it was because he was gassing a little bit but that fight you know them they were throwing some hands man they they were you know uh him heavy and AJ shots. that was a heavy phenomenal shots. fight I yeah. mean AJ caught him oh, with yeah. what the the roundhouse spinning heel kick yeah. oh yeah. yeah well and hey and you know AJ had to win that right had to, 
AJ had to do what he did to win that. Might fight. have been down on the cards. That would have been a very tough fight on the cards. Like it was an extremely close fight. It was a fight that it could have went either way. So it was one of those fights that you had to finish the fight. Yeah, we've got yeah, Brand- I- Brandon A. Bear taking on Cameron Graham in the co-main event. Uh, Brandon has been on this show. He's a friend of uh, the Fight Sport Focus podcast. We had him on episode five. Brandon's three and one. Uh, he's won three straight, three first round knockouts. His and last first round knockout was at Atlas on the beach. Yeah, absolutely. And look, what's more is those three fights are a total of 86 seconds. Heavy power. So I know everybody's tired of hearing don't blink when it comes to heavyweight fights, but this might be one of the times where it's totally acceptable. Uh, and look, Cam, the Big Mac, Graham, two and three as a professional. And he started out his career on a seven-fight win streak. That's amateur and professional combined. So Correct. he racked up a ton of wins before turning professional. Um, should be a great matchup. Mr. Glenn, do you have anything else on this matchup for us? On, on Bear and, and, and Cam Graham, I can tell you, Cam Graham, um, he's tra- he, he is, I, I keep up with him. I do my best to keep up with all of them. And I can say this, he, he is training his ass off for this fight. Um, you know, this, this fight here, it's almost a must-win to him, uh, sitting where he's at. Uh, you know, and, and he knows he's and, and he knows he's fighting a tough opponent, and he's fighting an opponent. If he can pull off a win uh, against against Abair, you know, uh, I think his stock raises, his value raises. I think he gets more fights, and I think he makes more money. Absolutely, you know, I think you're fight for him. He's taking a big bite, and you know, at, at two and three in a record, sometimes you need to take a little risk. And yep. he's taking a big risk coming against Abair, who I think everybody would say is the heavy favorite in this fight. So I think it's going to be an explosive fight. Yeah, Cam. You know, believe it or not, Cam likes to take it to the ground, and I, you know, I haven't spoke to him about the fight, but. You know, I, I got a feeling he's going to do what he, he obviously he, you know, it's, uh, you, you study anything, 86 seconds, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you better take it it's to not, the ground. It's not much. You know? And I think Brandon is actually a purple belt. So, but he's never been pushed. He's never been on the ground. A Tim Crater purple belt uh, too. Uh, so you have to preface it like that because a Tim Crater purple yeah. belt it's is a brown belt. In a lot a, of other it's systems. It's a brown belt in a lot of systems. You're right. You're right. And I, I don't know that Brandon has ever been taken down or ever had to fight off of his back. So it'd be really interesting to see how he responds. You got to get through those meat hooks to get, uh, to get to the ground. Yeah. And in the main, yeah, yeah. in the main event, this okay. is going to be a great fight gladiators academy aj the ghost fletcher is defending that atlas welterweight title for the first time against james freeman jr fletcher a perfect five and zero, um riding an eight fight win streak that's amateur and professional combined uh, he won that welterweight strap back in august and uh look freeman's coming in at six and three and He's a little similar to Christopher Anthony, who AJ had to fight last. He's got a ton of experience, and that's probably the only thing that AJ has going against him right now is uh, his lack of experience. Uh, But it hasn't been to his detriment yet. Um, Freeman's been a professional since 2009, and after winning his first five, he's gone one and three. But look at the people that Freeman has faced Uh, In those four fights, okay? He lost to UFC veteran Desmond Green. He lost to UFC uh, veteran Brock Weaver. And he got a win over Charles Felony Bennett or Crazy Horse, whichever one of those two you prefer. So a very experienced fighter. And he's got experience over big name opponents. Yeah, I I mean, three losses. 
I don't know much about Freeman here, but I do know AJ, the ghost, AKA the golden Ram brings it every time he steps into the cage. And so I'm expecting an AJ Fletcher fight. Uh, I think Freeman's going to be a very tough opponent for him. Like I said, I don't know much about him, but I mean, it's always an exciting time to see AJ fight, especially somebody with this level of caliber. But AJ's kind of had this thing his entire career where he's fought guys that he's not supposed to beat, but some kind of way, he pulls the hat out the rabbit. I mean, he pulls the rabbit out the hat. Like, he gets it done. Yeah, or maybe even sometimes he pulls the hat out of the rabbit. Pulls right? the He's- hat out the rabbit. I mean, his la- I mean, like well, his fight with, with Dalen was kind of exhort punishment and snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. Yeah, well, you know, uh, AJ's he, – he's having to have them type of fights because it's hard to find him a fight. Nobody wants to fight him. I mean, you know, he doesn't have all that many fights, but yeah, I mean, he's one of them dangerous young guns that, you know, a veteran don't want to fight. Right. Uh, I mean, that's why you find him Freeman coming out of Florida. He'll find guys. I mean, I mean, he, he ends look, careers. He ends these older guys, these journeymen that fight AJ. They think they're going to get a hold of this young boy and uh, he puts it on them. Yeah. I mean, we offered that fight to a couple of local 170s back home. They wouldn't take it, you know, so. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, there ain't many folks around this area. I say this area, our area, you know, a 170 pro that wants to fight AJ. Yeah. Um, I know that as, as well as anyone because, you know, um, he's our champion and, and we shop him. Uh, so is so this, is this fight for him. the 170 title? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he'll, it'll be his first Freeman, defense. Freeman, he he won defense. Yeah. Yeah. Freeman absolutely is coming here believing he's going to win. I mean, I, I've had many conversations with him, and, you know, he, he's coming here believing he is going to win that belt because he, he he's already told us who he wants to fight next to defend it. So Freeman's not coming here just to pick up a, pay, a paycheck. I can tell you that. Can we get uh, Can we get a word on that call-out? Who does he have in mind? Should he uh, still – should he get this belt? Well, I'll, I'll say he's – He's out of it. He's out of Georgia. Okay. Uh, he's with X three. I mean, I've, I've uh, talked to I've talked to a couple guys this week, and I know there's going to be a one seventy pro that's going to approach it because uh, he wants to call AJ out. Uh, I'm, yeah. We matter of fact, we AJ. We've we've got somebody in line for AJ. Um, also, uh, if he wins this fight, so both of them, both of them are sitting on opponents. Whichever one wins. Do you want to give us any clues uh, about AJ's potential uh, uh, next opponent? Well, I, I would rather not do that because I'd rather AJ's head stay clear. Uh, I don't want him. I, I you know, I, 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 w- I wouldn't want to dump that right now and then you know Absolutely. everybody be yeah. talking over overlooking overlooking this weekend to to the next one. Yeah, fair um, enough. You know, yeah, because the next opponent is 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 a another tough fucking opponent. Absolutely, know? that's all he does is fight killers, but. Yeah. Mr. Glenn was telling us earlier that he's got a contest he wants to give out here where he wants to give away a table, four passes, and a hotel room that night. So how we're going to yeah. do this thing is whoever has the most shares of our podcast, this episode, and the most likes on your share, you will receive a table with four tickets to in my opinion, the card of the year in Gulf Coast MMA and a hotel stay that night. Is that right, Mr. Glenn? Yeah, well, we'll do a, a table that seats four people, 
we'll do the hotel Saturday night where the fighters stay. And then we'll also throw in a $25 gift card to Lucy's uh, Retired Surfers Bar and Restaurant. Sweeten in the pot. quite a little package. So you hear it, guys. uh, So this is what you need to do. Uh, Like and share this podcast. Whoever has the most shares and then the most likes on those shares, we'll tally them up maybe Thursday evening. And we'll get the information out to Mr. Glenn. You'll have a table that seats four, hotel for Saturday night, and now a $25 gift card to Lucy's right there on the beach. Beautiful, beautiful location. Hey, uh, I want a shout out for uh, Whitney, Whitney Kimball out of uh, Gladiators Crowley. She's on the card. Uh, we, we're adding some females. Oh, wow. Uh, ending the year. That's so, a, that's, uh, a, that's, a, that's a nice, that's a tough woman right there. <laughs> well, she's fighting a tough woman, Evelyn uh, Silva out of Texas. Okay. So, um, yeah, that female fight, we're excited about that. Um, well, she just got cleared uh, with me uh, actually yesterday to fight. So we'll be pushing that fight out also. And we got Justin Osborne now. Up. Let's don't forget about this, this, this guy here, man. He, he's training out in Vegas. He's uh parents live in Mobile. He's coming to town. He's fighting another kid out of war. He's fighting Santiago Guzman. Yeah, he was uh, gonna so fight Chris Crosby, guys. but Chris Crosby had a retina uh issue. Yes. Eye injury, yes. Yeah. Chris so, Crosby uh, is another Chris another one that I look forward to seeing fight on the Atlas card as well. Who's that? I said I look forward to the future seeing Chris Crosby uh, fighting on the Atlas banner as well. It's another phenomenal fight, young oh, yeah. fighter coming up. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely wanting to get on, and uh, we'll get him on. That, again, that's what we do. We we doing our best to get all these pros on, and uh, again, give them give them an opportunity to to stay active and pick up some wins, or you know, pick up a loss and learn, or pick up a tough loss and like the Algo Moises, you know. I mean, you, you got to give it to that kid. This kid flew all the way in from Brazil to to Coconut Creek ATT. Flew into Jason Knight's hometown and fought Jason when he was, I think, 14 and 1, 15 and 1. He loses a decision, and about a year later, he gets signed after Jason gets signed. And That's the, know, that's so the epitome no telling, of mental toughness no, right there. Yeah. That's mentally yeah, tough well, right you know, there. And here's, you know, you just don't ever know who you're watching today and where they're going to be tomorrow. I mean, and that's the beauty of promoting pro fights. You know, because you, you, you promote the professionals, you know, you just don't know. I mean, we're looking at 10 of them right now. We have five five on the main card. You got 10 professional fighters. Odds are one out of 10 has got a shot, I would think, to ink a deal, you know, uh, on that next level. Just out of this weekend's fights. So I also want everyone to know that we finally are able to sell general admission tickets. Awesome. You can walk up to the Coliseum. Mississippi Coast Coliseum box office in Biloxi, Mississippi, and you now can buy a general admission ticket. We have not been able to sell general admission tickets because of COVID-19 yet. So this will be our fourth show in 98 days. Wow. And 98 days in, we can finally sell a general admission ticket. So, which means you can drive over from where you at, walk up to the box office, and you can buy tickets when you walk up. You don't have to buy tables anymore. You can buy your general admission tickets, and that's something we've been waiting on, Jeff and Nick, for a, a while. Yeah, because, huge um, news. There's been many, there's been many shows that's been selling general admission tickets, 
uh, and we haven't been able to. So um, we're looking forward to the walk-up. You know, we're running our television commercials hard and heavy. We're running on three radio stations back home. We got a live remote at the fight with the Rock Station 97.9, and we're expecting a really good walk up. The weather's going to be fantastic. It's supposed to be 77 degrees for the high and beautiful for the low, and yeah, and I, you know, it won't be 60 till after the fight. So, you outdoors on the grounds at the Coliseum overlooking the beach. The weather's going to be phenomenal. I mean, you got five pro fights. Uh, you can get your tickets at the box office day up for 30 bucks. You know, um, I'm look. I'm excited about it, man. Yeah, how can you not get excited with this weather we have, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's completely motivating right there. So, you know, um, that's the deal, bro. Um, a quick announcement. Uh, you know, we haven't said anything about this, but we'll say it on uh, on y'all's show, December fifth, uh, inside the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. Uh, we'll be promoting Atlas Fight 58. It's a holiday fight night. This is a show that we do each year that benefits the Boys and Girls Club of the Gulf Coast. Uh, and we'll have Michael McDonald uh, fighting Eric Thompson. Magic uh, Mike? Right now, Magic Mike. It's an awesome matchup, back. too. I like that a lot. He's back in the Atlas cage. Uh, he wanted to get back in. He's so he's he's uh he's jumping he's jumping up in weight class. They're gonna fight at one seventy. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, metabolism kind of slows down on us, right? Oh yeah. Well, you know, he's just not wanting to do that hard cut. I don't blame him. And who knows, one seventy may be where he needs to be. He fought Omar. That was a hell of a fight, and Omar's got hands like bricks. Yeah, everybody oh, yeah. knows that. That's he a good, made, and he Omar made, couldn't. Magic Mike made Crazy Horse quit in the corner uh, and bare knuckle. knuckle. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good matchup yeah. for Mike too, right? Going going up against Eric, that's going to be a great fight. Uh, so this weekend, Mr. Glenn Atlas fights fifty seven Saturday, November seventh, from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. If you don't have your tickets yet, you can visit atlasfights.com or mscoastcoliseum.com. Mr. Glenn, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Do you have anything else before signing off? Listen, I want to shout out to everybody out here who's been uh, having to deal with these storms, man. Uh, all of our friends in Lake Charles and all of our friends in Louisiana, you know, all of our friends over in the panhandle of Florida, they've been dealing. They they got hit. We just got hit last week. You know, um, there's still a bunch of folks back home with no power. Uh, you know, still a big cleanup going on. So, uh, you know, uh, prayers going up and thinking about all of our friends, uh, you know, in the surrounding areas and having to deal with a crazy hurricane season. So uh, we hope everybody's making out all right. And if you got an opportunity to come deal with normalcy, come see us this Saturday night at the Coliseum Outdoors and take a break and enjoy yourself. Come watch these guys uh, who've been training their asses off to, to put a show on for you. Come out and watch these, this card, man. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, Mr. Glenn, thank you so much. We'll be right back with one of the featured fighters on this Saturday's card, Dalen Wilson. This is Jeffrey Hoffman with Nicholas Sherlock welcoming Dalen Wilson to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Dalen, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
Oh, awesome, man. We're so excited to get you on, man. Uh, we can jump right into it, man. So I don't know if you guys follow Dalen, but this dude is an absolute specimen of a human being. It seems like you have all the athleticism in the world. So what made you land on MMA as your course of action in life? Uh, well, you know, I had been doing um, martial arts since I was a kid. Started off with a uh, Shotokan style karate. Went into the military, uh, went to Japan, did some kickboxing out there. Um, um, a little bit after that, went, uh, got stationed with the Marines and uh, ended up doing pancreation, and that's how I made the transition into MMA. Believe it or not, I used to not be a fan of it. Oh, really? So was your time in the Marines and the military learned the pancreation system that uh, kind of brought you around to it? Uh, you know, what brought me around to it was actually um, – one of my favorite uh, action film stars uh, and martial artists, uh, Donnie Yen, he was talking about it in one of his movies. And uh, then I kind of, you know, I just fell into it after I got into the pancreation thing. So a little bit of well, what you said versus, you know, just hearing some of my uh, idols uh, kind of speak about it, too, and talk about how it was, you know, the the core of just what martial arts used to be, man. Just, you know, this style versus this style and who does it and. It kind of, you know, swung me around when I thought about it like that. I used to not like it simply because it, um, I grew up in Ohio and we were, you know, the tough man competitions were the big, all the rage. And that's what I, uh, I remember that when I was a kid, my dad, I used to try to get my dad to compete in him in Biloxi. Yeah. See, I used to not like before I, how I am now, I used to not be, uh, I used to be all like, you know, about the whole martial arts way and everything I, w- I was a naive kid though you know we all had you know when we were like teenagers and stuff we all had our little niches that we were naive about when it came to our passions and then I got older and you know actually fought more and stuff and I realized that just you know the the pragmatism in uh of it all like you know yeah the the spirituality and martial arts aspect is good it has its place but when it comes to application that's where you kind of start separating the real from the fake so, Dalen, let me ask you, this weekend, you're going to be fighting Scott O'Shaughnessy at Atlas Fights 57, and there's another fighter uh-huh. who's headlining that you've already been in the cage with, A.J. Fletcher. Um, uh-huh. What do you think Scott is going to bring to this fight that's similar to what A.J. brought in y'all's encounter, and what do you think Scott's going to do that might be a little bit different? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I don't think... Uh... I don't think Scott and AJ are really similar um, outside of them both being from Louisiana. Um, From what I've seen of Scott and after watching AJ and fighting him, it it seems like two totally different fighters. And to be perfectly honest, I'm okay with that. Uh, If and when I fight uh, AJ Fletcher again, you know, I don't expect the same AJ I fought previously so what are, what would you um, what would you say is some of the main differences between the matchup that you had with aj fletcher and what you're preparing what you're mm-hmm. preparing for here uh against scott the stature plays a big the stature plays a part in it um i was able to throw a lot more body shots and you know explore let my hands go a little bit more with aj just because we're similar in height um, Scott, it's going to be a bit more outside fighting, I imagine, um, until he wants to grab me. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to play a whole different game 
right there. When you when you have taller opponents, which everybody's taller than me, I'm only five seven. Um, but when you have taller opponents, you have to you have to do things differently. You know, you have to kind of utilize the uh, attributes you have. Uh, my athleticism is going to kind of come into play here because I'm not going to try to you know play an outboxing game with a longer guy. I'm going to be trying to, you know, stick and move and uh, a lot of in and out. So with uh, AJ, I was able to kind of stay, to- go toe-to-toe and tit for tat with him a bit more, again, because of the height. Uh, you know, we have similar wingspan. We're built similarly. So it, it kind of played to my advantage, at least uh, up until the-, the point where it didn't. Uh, with Scott, it's going to be a bit more st- strategy. I'm going to have to pick my shots. It's not going to be a machine gun versus a sniper rifle, if that makes any sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I spoke with AJ at this fight with you, and he told me that you were one of the strongest guys he's ever laid his hands on. He said when he put his hands on you, you were pretty immovable. And that was one of the things when I first started seeing, hearing about you, I started looking at your Instagram and stuff like that. And you seem like not only are you powerful, but you're a cardio king. Do you think that's one of the strengths that you carry into the uh, MMA game and into this fight with Scott this Saturday? Uh, definitely. Uh, my cardio is my trump card. I don't rely on my strength because there's always somebody bigger than you. Uh, and you can't really, you know, strengthen size or one of those things. You can't, you don't really have much of a say in, you know, that's, that's more of your genetics. That's more of the genetic gamble that we all have to go through to get to where we are, you know, be, being, being born. So I don't, I don't rely on my strength. I don't rely on speed, uh, simply because again, people are, are faster than me, but my athleticism and my cardio is something I can control. I can change that. I can control that. So right. yeah, that's, that's my I love going into deep water, man. I've trained myself since I was uh, since I was early in martial arts. So you know, hey, you're gonna have to be able to go hard for longer. So we need to get this going. So I've always prided myself on being able to, no matter how deep in water I get, I always I'm always able to tread. So I've always prided myself on that. If that's the one thing, there's one thing I literally have a bit of a pride in. It's that. It's the fact that my conditioning, I always keep myself in condition. So uh, one of the big things that Scott O'Shaughnessy is known for is devastating knockout power, like true one-shot mm-hmm. power. I know that's something that you probably already know. Uh, do you have any special game plan set to to handle that? Because I know you said it's not going to be a trading shot war with him, uh, but is that, that one of the things that you're mindful about going into Saturday night? Oh, absolutely. Um, for two reasons. Number one, everybody, you know, there's always the fight game, man. It's always a puncher's chance. You know, that's, that's a, that's a big, big, big thing, whether it's at the end of the fight or near the end of the fight or at the very beginning, there's always that puncher's chance. Um, but also, you know, Scott's no, Scott's not a small guy. No, he's you know, not. I, I noticed that immediately looking at him. So that's going to be something I gotta, I gotta keep an eye on is, you know, Trading with someone like that right away is, you know, asking for it. And I know Scott likes to he likes to come out the gates, man, and I and I'm I'm here for it. So my goal is just to keep kind of keep my calm and not really fall into that because I've I've noticed in previous fights of his is that um he's really good at luring his opponents into that man into that trade war, and that's where he kind of shines. So I'm I'm my goal is to try to avoid that, and I'm gonna dictate when I want to go. 
Dalen, I see that you fought Impa Kasanganai about a year and a half ago back at Island Fights 53. You know, Impa making waves yeah. to the UFC right now, uh, mostly good waves, and obviously that that devastating head kick from uh, Joaquin Buckley a few weeks back. Uh, what was it like mm-hmm. fighting Impa a year and a half ago? Because I know he's still pretty new in mixed martial arts, and I think he was a much different fighter then. What was that fight like? And what does it do for your confidence knowing that you've been against guys that are at the big show now? Well, to answer your first question, uh, it's hard to say what it was like in the sense of uh, seeing where he is now from where he was. Because to me, it's, you know, it's a, a fight to fight. I've never really been one to kind of delve into the, the mythos of uh, a fighter, so to speak. But uh, he was he was first off, he was strong. Uh, we, I jumped up a weight class for him, actually. That wow. was a five-day notice fight. I jumped up a weight class for him. So you went up to 185 uh, for him? Yeah, I went up to 185 and, for him. And Kasaganai's uh, a big 185-er, right? What do you, uh, real, real quick, not to cut you off, but what do you normally walk at? Because you're a big guy yourself. I mean, you're not, you're, you're a shorter guy, but you're a, you're a pretty stocky guy. Um, about 190, 195. Yeah, that's what I figured. You're, I mean, he's a he's a big boy, man. Did you see some of those pictures he puts on Instagram and yeah. Facebook? He's yeah, I, I didn't jacked. think in the 190s, though, man. That's a lot a lot heavier than I was expecting. Dalen, you could easily go be a bodybuilder if you chose to, bro. <laughs> well, you know, if fighting doesn't work out, I mean, what better thing to do to get paid than to lift, lift weights and flex muscles, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, Dalen, where are you training out of, man? But, uh, I, I see you're in Pensacola. Yeah, Pensacola, Florida, the Academy of Pensacola uh, in Pensacola, Florida. Who out there is training with you that we should be watching out for? Around here, uh, Brock Weaver's out of from this area. Oh, yeah, well. we, we know old Brock. Well, Brock gave us our uh, gave us a quote a few weeks ago. We were uh, doing I was doing interviews at the Empire fights, and one of his fighters won by devastating fashion. And as I was I was walking mm. to the back, you know, the fighters are looking for me to do their interviews. I'm walking through the hallway in the back. His opponent yells out. He goes, man, Nikki DeG ain't trying to interview me. Brock Weaver turns around and yells down the hallway, interviews are for winners. <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Just trying to keep a straight face and keep it moving. <laughs> like, I don't want the fighters to get mad at me. Like, like, I didn't say it. Brock said it. I mean, you can fight him if you want. He's down. Yeah. yeah. What, one no, more time. Uh, What's the name of the gym? If you want to shout him out and give him some, uh, get their name absolutely, out. Absolutely, man. Uh, big shout out to the Academy of Pensacola. Uh, Brian Smith, John Henson, Robert Turnquest, Mike Wimmer, uh, coaches and, and family, man. Uh, they've, they've really stuck by me and helped me, you know, be, be the fighter I am right now. So, and the martial artist I am as well. So a big, big, big shout out to them, man. They've, uh, they're taking care of me and they haven't forgotten about me. So even though they had other fighters who've come through the doors, uh, such as Mike Roberts, um, who to me, to me is a legend. You know, he was one of the uh, guys to really fight and give a, a good fight to uh, Jason Knight twice. Matter of fact. Yep, he did. So, yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's my family, man. This is my second home. Uh, I'm, I'm just the best place in the world. So. So looking forward to Saturday night, Dalen. Do you have any predictions for us? Uh, how do you see this thing turning out? And I'll be, be honest with you, be, man. Be, just don't blink. <laughs> be, be, cock, be cocky in these predictions. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I am, you know, I'm, I am who I am, man. Right. Uh, but real talk, you know, just don't blink. I mean, I'm not, you know, anybody who has seen me fight knows that I'm not coming back the same. 
as right. I left. Win, win or lose, it's a whole nother Dalen every every time. So, you know, expect a whole nother monster than what you've seen or heard of already. You know, Absolutely. expect somebody different than who's fought AJ or Impa, you know, and to have uh, AJ Fletcher speak in such regards, you know, I'm, I, it's an honor to hear that from a guy like him because he's a stud himself. To be perfectly honest, I wouldn't mind. That's that's one fight I wouldn't mind running back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know he's got big things ahead, but I wouldn't mind running that back. But for this fight, man, just don't blink. You know, I'm 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 not uh not the same person I, that anybody's seen previously. So be on the lookout for a whole new monster. Absolutely, man. We are super excited to watch you step into this cage Saturday night, bro. Is there any sponsors or anybody you'd like to thank uh, going into this, man? Honestly, man, uh, just another shout out to the Academy of Pensacola, dude. Uh, you know, I've, I got, you know, just having you guys reach out to me and want to interview me and I owe a lot, any success, all the success I've had here to them. So I just want to give a quick shout out to them, get their name out there. Cause you know, a lot of people, when I tell them where I fight at, they're like, where's that at? Like, right. well, I didn't know, you know, we, you, they, that gym existed. Well, you know, now you know when you see me in the cage you you see academy of pensacola that's the quality you see so big shout out to them man awesome absolutely you guys driving in friday or y'all coming out thursday i'll be out there friday okay well dude we look forward to seeing you in person man uh train up rest well uh hopefully you have an i'll pray for an easy cut for you man and i look forward to seeing you in person friday night man we appreciate you coming on and giving us a few minutes of your time brother I appreciate you guys reaching out and having me on the show, man. It's yeah. An honor. Yeah, Dalen, you sound like an awesome guy. It's going to be really nice getting to see you in the cage and getting to maybe chat with you a little bit afterwards. Uh, oh, absolutely. Have a safe trip in, and we'll see you Saturday night. This is Dalen Wilson. He's taking on the Irish Spartan Scott O'Shaughnessy. That's going to be an Atlas Fights 57. Sounds like somebody's going out on their shield on this fight. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a banger. You're on the way to leave, man. All right. Nick and I will be right back with our picks for UFC Fight Night Santos versus Teixeira. Jeffrey Hoffman and Nicholas Sherlock welcoming you back to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Before we get on with our picks, uh, really cool for uh, Glenn Matina. Again, he's the owner of Atlas Fights. Uh, wants to put on a little promotion for us here. Guys, uh, this podcast will be released on a Tuesday. Go ahead and share this episode to your page. And whoever has either the most shares or the most likes on that share, will combine them. Yep. Likes and shares. Uh, whoever's got the most, we'll do it Friday night. Yep. Uh, we'll tally them up and we'll get the information to the winner. And then we'll connect you with Mr. Glenn to pick up your table tickets, your free hotel room for Saturday night. Table of four. Table of four and your $25 gift card. So you could make almost a, a nice little trip out of it, right? You That's go out. A nice little weekend. Awesome. All right. UFC Fight Night, Santos versus Teixeira. Prelims are kicking off at 6 o'clock Central time on ESPN+. Plus. Main card will be 9 on ESPN2. Nick. You're riding my coattails a little bit this week, man. We have the exact same picks. 
Oh, perfect. I mean, you've seen greatness for the last two weeks. In my defense, I do not know Jeff's picks <laughs> at all when I make mine. I don't know he if that's much of a defense. but He we'll... sends me a blank card and says, send me your picks. And he expects them right now, <laughs> right away. If I don't respond in 10 minutes, he sends me a question. Well, the quicker that I get them, the better it is for me, because that means you've got less time to think about it. So, <laughs> you know, from competition point of view, I mean, that works out. First up on that main card, man, we've got Claudia Gedalia. Taking on Yan Xiaonan. Uh, Xiaonan's a minus 140 favorite here. Gedalia is the plus 110 dog. Uh, Gedalia um, has a bunch of experience on Xiaonan. Gedalia is 7 and 4 in the UFC. Um, here's a little interesting fact for you um, all of Gedalia's losses, so she's 18 and 4 total. Seven and four in the UFC. So obviously all four of her losses have come in the UFC and all four have been by way of decision. She's never been finished. Two of those decisions to Joanna Young Jacek and another to Jessica Andrade. So she's not getting destroyed in her losses and she's losing the top notch, top notch competition losing to the upper echelon. Yeah, absolutely. Xiaonan, on the other hand, she hasn't lost since 2010, but she's only riding a 10 fight win streak in that span. Right. So that's not really the consistency or the output in experience that you typically see somebody in that span of time. Now she's fighting an upper level step up in competition coming into the UFC. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, she's a five and O fighter, five and O perfect five and O in the UFC. And uh, she's not a finisher herself. Each of those five fights have gone to the decision. So I think, like you said, this is a huge step up in competition for, her. and you and I are both gone with Gedalia, who's uh, the slight underdog here, but Again, I, I think she's got a ton of experience. Every on dog Yon. has his day. Her yeah. day. <laughs> his or her or Zer's day. Right? It is 2020. Get, we got to get with it here, Nick. Next up on the main card, we've got Ian Heinish taking on our guy, Brendan Allen. Um, Heinish is 3-2 and two in the UFC, and he's coming off of a first-round TKO over Gerald Mearshart. Mearshart's had a couple uh, bad ones, I think, in his last two fights. Yep. Brendan Allen is 3-0 in the UFC, and look, he's already got a win. We talked about it earlier in the episode over Kevin Holland, who's one of the bright up-and-coming stars in that middleweight division right now. Allen also, he's riding a seven-fight win streak, and here's a fun little fact for you. Allen's three career losses, okay? He hasn't lost in the UFC yet, but those three losses have all have each been against fighters who are currently on the UFC roster. Trevin Giles, Eric Anders, and uh, Anthony Hernandez before they were ever in the UFC. So a nice little fact there. Um, I, I think that both of these fighters are pretty similar, but I think Brendan Allen is riding that momentum, right? Think, Again, on that seven-fight win Brendan's streak. going to take him down and beat him up. Yeah, uh, they're both pretty similar fighters, and they're both very good fighters. I think the momentum is going to play a huge role here, right? Because Heinish has kind of been up and down. Uh, his past couple, right. you know, you, you you can't substitute for confidence. Yeah, Brendan's riding that bulletproof mentality right now because he hasn't tasted defeat, so he has no reason to fear it. Yeah, for sure. Here we've got next up, Hione Barcelos taking on Khalid Tafa. Barcelos, 4-0 in the UFC, and he's got three finishes in those four fights. He's riding an eight-fight win streak, and he's entering as the largest betting favorite on the main card. When you do go with the underdog, you don't want to go probably with the largest one on the card. I'm taking uh, Barcelos. Nick and I are both taking Barcelos here. Co-main event, we've got Andre Arlovsky taking on Tanner Boser. Andre Arlovsky, man, in his second stint with the UFC, in his first stint with the UFC from 2000 to 2008, 
Arlovsky went 11 and four, right? And then he took five or six years off. He went uh, to help start off Affliction, I guess. He was on their uh, inaugural card. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was actually beating Fedor in that fight that he decided out of the blue to, oh, you know what? I'm going to throw a jump knee. <laughs> yeah, usually not the best uh, uh, decision against a Samba world champion, right? Yeah. Throwing anything, any type Arlovsky of. Arlovsky is still in my is still one of my favorite fighters of all time. Dude, and come on. He's I, I love the guy. I mean, yeah. the pit bull. He was the originator of the Fang mouthpiece. Yes. Um, Dude, like 2005, 2006, 2007, like he was one of the big hitters, right? I think a lot of guys today don't. I mean, I was friends. With, I was friends with him on MySpace. Oh, geez, I mean, man. that's you, how, Tom, and Arlovsky, man. That's how long <laughs> he's been in the game. Uh, but th- when this fight, dude, you had to pick with your head, not with your heart. Uh, Arlovsky's older; he really can't take it on the chin too much. And I honestly, dude, I hope we get this one wrong. I'd like to see Arlovsky win. I just don't see it going down that way. Yeah, and he's fighting a tough, tough guy here in Tanner Boser. Boser's only making his fifth UFC appearance, but he's three and one, and he's got two finishes. Uh, I think Boser gets it done, and I, I think he gets it done pretty quick. Probably a yeah. first round knockout or TKO, just like you, man. Arlovsky, Arlovsky is one of my favorite he goes fighters. Goes out on his shield, man. Like he's always. He's that guy. And he has been looking better over his last two or three fights. You say it all the time, right? Father time is undefeated. undefeated. Yeah, and you might be able to fake it or you might be able to postpone it temporarily here and there and our but in the grand scheme of things out so many times yep. and every time that takes a little bit off the chin yeah and, and er- after every fight that nose goes a little bit more to the side a little bit more before long it's going to be over here next to his ear oh, he'll get that reconstructed before <laughs> all right in the main event guys we've got tiago santos taking on glover teixeira and okay santos enters the fight uh number one ranked light heavyweight Glover Teixeira is number three, and with John Jones vacating the title, Jan Blahovich uh, now holds it. That division's wide open. As long as John Jones is there, it's as closed as they come. Right? You can. Tiago Santos will have the light heavyweight title, but in sometime next year. Sometime next year. Uh, so I mean, arguably he beat John Jones. I mean, it was a split. I mean, and it was a close fight. And close fight with both got, of his knees blown like, out. Blew both of his knees in what the first round. Yeah, and, and still fought another four rounds. Like that, that's impressive. Including that fight with Jones, Santos is eight and two in his last ten. Yeah, and guess one of those fights he won. Actually, the fight right before his loss to John Jones was a win over Jan Blahovich, the current champion. Yeah. And I, it was a knockout too. He finished him. So I think we're gonna see another one. I like I like Glover. I remember watching Glover on the Tap Out show when they were yeah. traveling around, and he was just he was just he was in Chuck Liddell's gym. They were in with John Hackleman and. They were in the pit and doing all the training. Him and another guy were on the show. And so I like Glover, and Glover is a great guy. He's heavy-handed, but I don't see Glover winning this fight in any universe. I think Tiago gets it done, and I think he gets it done rather quickly. Yeah, uh, so Glover Teixeira has a little bit more experience. He's got 10 more fights, and he's got a couple uh, years of age on uh, Tiago Santos as well. Uh, Another interesting fact. Dude, I'm filled with interesting facts. And this little uh, end segment here, dude. I don't know where they're coming from. It might be just from the grace of God or uh, could be the internet. But uh, both of these guys are entering their 20th UFC fights. They're both entering the, the, oh, wow. the octagon for the 20th time. A lot of experience going in the cage. ton of experience between these two. Um, Santos, minus 225 favorite in this one. Uh, just like you, Nick, I'm going with Santos. I don't, I'm not so sure that he gets it done early. But I think he does get the finish. I'm going to go with Tiago Santos. So, Nick, you and I heading out to Biloxi this weekend for Atlas 57. What Do we have anything else going on? 
Uh, the only other thing we're going to do is we're going to start announcing uh, either late this week or early next week. We are going to start uh, – the voting polls are going to open for the Fight Sport Focus podcast, End of the Year Awards. Uh, we're going to be announcing the Fight of the Year, the Fighter of the Year, the Amateur of the Year, and we're also going to induct one, maybe two guys into the Fight Sport Focus Hall of Fame. Ooh. Love it, man. Hey, and Thursday, I think there's some Bellator action going on. Uh, Corey Anderson is uh, headlining the, the card on Thursday. Okay. Dude, it's so hard to know what's going on in Bellator. Dude, I follow him everywhere. Like, I'm on, obviously, on all of the MMA and combat sport media that's possible. And I never know when Bellator cards are happening. Absolutely. <laughs> they just slip, slip on by sometimes. It's like, who do you guys have doing your media? Like, who do you have doing your promotions? Because you need to... Next next week on the show, we have Professor Marcus Dempsey in studio, and then we're going to be calling Braxton King and Jonathan Island, who also have fights coming up. And then next weekend, you and I are taking off the Shreveport. Going up northern Louisiana. A little AKA action. Arkansas. So we, northern Louisiana, also known as Arkansas. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> hey, Nick, man, 12th episode. Of the Fight Sport Focus podcast in the books. In the books, man. The Dirty Dozen. Yeah, guys, look, don't forget, follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Fight Sport Focus, and visit our website, fightsportfocus.com. Hey, man, we've got some hoodies in the store. It's, the weather's getting cold, crisp. You heard Mr. Glenn talking about it. I mean, I got a couple hoodies. I mean, I purchased several hoodies this week. Some of the lime green? Lime green. I got a burgundy. I mean... I'm going to be looking nice. I'm looking fresh Look, in my fight sport focus gear. Why don't you share share this podcast, right? You get the free tickets, the free table, the free tickets. It's going to be an outside show. There might be a late chill. You get your fight sport focus hoodie from the shop. You wear that Saturday night. It's a win, 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 win. Counting up all the tickets to the table, you show the hotel, up in a fight sport win, focus win situation. Hoodie. We'll also give you a fight sport focus sticker. Ooh. Slap it right on your chest. We'll be out there just sticking, just slapping some stickers out there this weekend. Slapping them on. Put some on the canvas on official sponsorships. Right, just slapping them every time we go in there. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, 12th episode is in the books. New episodes are dropping every week. So subscribe to and share this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hoffman, and this is Nicholas Sherlock. Thank you so much for listening.